everyone. Welcome to the PR Not BS podcast with me, Fiona Scott. I hope you're well today. And I'm joined by a really good friend of mine, a business owner I've worked with for a few years now, and his name is Ed Hollands. He's really young, well, really young to me, because he's younger than my oldest daughter. Um, But I've worked with him for quite a long time. I'm going to say no more. I'm going to let Ed introduce himself. So, Ed, welcome. Tell everyone who you are. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Ed. I run a company called Driven Media, which basically puts adverts onto trucks that travel around the country. Now, Ed reached a level of fame a few years ago, didn't you, Ed? And this was, I'd actually got to know him a few months before the general public did. Explain why that was, Ed. Uh, Well, I was on a show called Dragon's Den and I actually managed to get investment off a dragon. So when you were there, a certain dragon, not the dragon that invested in you, um, picked up on something about you, Ed, didn't they? He did, didn't he? He said something about you, which sort of went pretty viral. There was a few moments that went quite viral. Go on then, share, come on. The one that really sticks in my mind, which is ironic, because I I was speaking at uh, Peter Jones's uh, Entrepreneurship Academy yesterday. I was an entrepreneur in waiting. Um, And I think at the time I probably was, or I hadn't quite found my feet yet. Um, Whereas now we're absolutely flying. Uh, Now I've figured out how to do things and what's important and what's not. Tuka said that the Midlands it didn't know where Derby was and thought it was near Manchester, uh, which spent all of the Midlands into a Ferrari. You know, it's, it's not just, it, yes, it's north of the M25, but we're the Midlands. Tej offered me a job as well, but I don't think that ever, ever made, it made it to the airwaves. And also, Peter Jones thought you looked rather young. Yes, yes, I still get that now. Ed, how, how old are you? Tell people how old you are. Uh, I'm 27 now. Um, I think I was 23 when I went on. And Peter Jones thought I was 14 and honestly couldn't believe that I had gone through school and to university. I think he had to ask three times. I just think there are real benefits to looking young, Ed. And when you're my age at 55, you're going to look like a 35. <laughs> anyway, tell us a bit about your history with business, because one of the things I've learned from working with you and other young, younger entrepreneurs is often they'll have developed a taste for it when they're really, really young. So I want to take you right back. When did you first start to think about business is going to be my career? I think that one of my earliest memories is probably about year four. Um, I just wanted to run a pub for some reason. And ever since then, I've always wanted to run my own business. I just never knew what in. And have you got family members that are business owners that inspired you in any way? Or did it just come from nowhere? It seemed to have come from nowhere. I, I think if I had to put it down from somewhere, it's probably down to Richard Branson, because I think he was very high profile at the time. I think he was setting up Virgin Atlantic or setting up one of his numerous empires at the time. And I think that just stuck stuck with me. You know, I can do that. You have got dyslexia, haven't you? Tell us how that affected you at school and then at university. Do you, do you feel at all it held you back? Uh, my, my relationship with the sector is actually really weird. Is I got diagnosed in year 11, uh, despite my mum going through primary school, so was trying trying to convince the school I was. Um, but I think at that point I was like, well, if if I, you know, I, I'm just going to have to adapt, even if they don't don't know what's, you know, why I'm struggling. Um, so actually, by the time I got to year 11, it was quite hard to tell I had dyslexia unless you, you know, physically made you write loads of words, um, because I compensated for not knowing stuff by writing really fast so I constantly got lots of words on the page you know at that you know at school 
sometimes all you have to do was just write the word and you get a point. You know, in physics tests, there was like multiple choice. I would get often sort of 90, 95%, if not 100%. As soon as you make me write something down, that would drop to 45, 50%. So it's often in the, the written word that it, it, it affect me. And I think it's just because I because I was diagnosed quite late, I've just naturally worked around it. So even writing proposals now, I'll write around words or I'll use Grammarly or I'll just ask Siri, how do you spell a word? Um, it does slow me down, but dyslexia does does mean you struggle with un- some things, but it enables you to spot opportunities uh, that other people just blissfully ignore. Yeah, I'd, I've found that dyslexia is quite common amongst entrepreneurs, and I do wonder if that it makes them think differently, or you to use that horrible phrase, think outside the box. I think it's it's probably that, and also they struggle. You know, a lot of us struggled at school. I think I was quite lucky because I was so resilient. Um, you know, I went to university. I know a lot of on, uh, entrepreneurs don't struggle to concentrate, and therefore are seen to be the uh, you know the one that is disrupting. I don't think they're disrupting. I think they're trying to say, "I can't do this. I need some help." So I think it's a lot for a lot of dyslexic entrepreneurs, especially. If, you know, if we go back a few years, it was the only option to survive because you physically couldn't have the jobs because you, you couldn't get the qualifications. And I think it just had an added bonus that we could spot opportunities, you know, just by walk, working through things in our head. But you went on, didn't you, to the University of Derby to do a business degree where you got a first class. Tell me about that. Tell me how, when you decided to do that, a business degree, and you went through that process... Did you love it even more? What did you learn? Talk to me about that. If I go to A-levels, I knew of running a business at some point in my life was something I was going to do, probably earlier than later. Um, so I knew, well, I'm going to go to university. I might as well get a skill that I'm going to use throughout my life. You know, I, I definitely enjoyed my three years at, at, at the University of Derby. I, I think the only thing was missing was them to go, right, you're keen to do a business, perhaps you know, try and run one while you're at university, because I think that would have been so useful to, you know, get a head start on sales and marketing. And, you know, just the key bits of getting a business off the ground when you've actually got some money coming in and you've got structure, because when you actually jump off, you you know, jump off into the real world straight out, you know, straight out of university and try and set up a, a business, it is completely different to what you're thinking it's going to be. And bringing you on to that, you had a light bulb moment around driven media obviously I know about this because I've worked with you and I've written about it before but just tell our listeners what that light bulb moment was pretty simply it was walking down a road sort of morning rush hour if, if you're in the Midlands uh, you'll probably know it quite well in Derby the A38 where it intersects with the A50 it's a really busy roundabout um, especially in rush hour I just happened to see three blank trucks at the lights followed by a queue of probably two three hundred cars and I thought, if I had a business, that's exactly where I'd be advertising. And went, oh, hang on a minute. Perhaps I can be the business that facilitates that that space being sold. Um, and here we are six years later. Tell me how Dragon's Den came into your life. What happened there? So I've always watched Dragon's Den while growing up. It's just one of those shows you just, it, you know, it's on at a convenient time. And it's, it's sometimes quite interesting and entertaining. After all, is it, is it is meant to be an entertainment show. I just applied. I applied just after set up. Didn't hear anything back, and I thought, oh, and I, it just it came out of nowhere. For some, someone just said, you know, just apply. You, you don't know where it's going to go. So I did. I sent an application in, and then 
sort of was kind of shocked about a week later to get a call back from producers to sort of run through the the um, thing I'd sent in and also invite me in for a sort of initial interview. So you go in for an initial interview. Now, obviously, um, I'd previously dealt with Dragon's Den before. We didn't kind of know each other then, so I'd have given you some upfront advice. But you did. You went on Dragon's Den. Tell us a bit about the actual physical experience of being filmed on Dragon's Den. The day where you're filmed is just so real because uh, essentially you are told by the BBC what to do. And if you step out of line, essentially that's it, you're off. So you had to be there at, at six o'clock in the morning and you had no idea, A, when you were going in front of the Dragons or B, when you were going to leave tonight. Um, I was quite lucky. I was one of the first one. Actually, I was the first one to go in on that day. So I I left pretty early. I, you know, I went in at two and I didn't leave sight till sort of 2.30 it's just a it's just a whirlwind day you just you know, you know it's, it's definitely uh, a walking with fire introduction to tv it is so military positioned what advice would you give to any other business owner who thinks do you know i want to apply for a, that series for a future series what what advice would you give them i think that, well the advice i gave myself was don't look like a dick it's so easy to forget simple things so i think if you're going to do it talk to people you trust who can tell you what you're doing. You're doing something really silly. You know, a couple of the people I know have gone on and have had complete, complete falls on themselves because they've either overvalued the business massively or they've said something that is just complete, you know, complete false. It is a TV show. It's there for entertainment. But the Dragons, if, if they find something that doesn't ring true, they just won't believe you. So you've got to be... It's, it's a very fine line of sort of edging the truth beyond it is while also you sort of not giving away the true story because it's a business valuation as well it's, it's quite a tough tough line to tread i must admit when i advise people because i've been asked lots of times should i go on it i always say do it with purpose research the dragon that you'd like don't just think i want that person for their money because often it's not that what do you want do you want mentorship do you want their network do you want that instead of their money or with their money and take it really seriously yes it's entertainment yes it's tv but these are serious business people and if you waffle around the figures they're gonna have you in front of millions of people yeah and i think the biggest the biggest thing i learned was uh, I, I think i said i had a thousand trailers and they li- literally during the due diligence were like go find me a thousand trailers in your hauliers fleet and i think i got to 997 and i had four hauliers to go and nope i had still had to find those four trailer numbers <laughs> Um, the other thing is now Jenny Campbell invested in you and you had a very good relationship with her for three years, wasn't it? Was it three years, Ed? I think it was about three years, yeah. Talk about why and what she helped you with that you can talk about, obviously. Yeah. So when I went into the den, Jenny was a bit of a, a wild card. There wasn't much information about her at all. Um, it was only after finished the filming, had got home and sort of it sort of aired for the the first few episodes with Jenny on it do you find out more about her background in banking um so you know she she helped us lay the foundations for growth uh, unfortunately me and her parted ways before we could actually see that growth and scale mainly because of the the covid pandemic but it actually with some respect it did help us enormously even though it sometimes it seemed like we were just spinning our wheels yeah i think that um, the pandemic and COVID, um, because it was a, a once in a generation more event, 
you know, disruptive to the point, almost sadly, um, not not as many lives lost, but it's a, a Second World War event and therefore it will impact every business differently. I think the fact that you had a relationship for that long and I think over time you'll see, won't you, with growth... And all, um, that she helped lay the foundations of the solidity of your business and your supply chain. But any entrepreneur at the end of the day, I think, is going to want to go their own way, Ed. Yeah, well, I, I think it was it was coming to a pass, even if we didn't realise it. I went into that relationship show, so young. You know, the business had only turned over 50,000 or not, probably not even that before she joined. And we were now turning over for about 350,000 like just before COVID, which we should have been higher, but COVID came along. I think it was just a way to step back, rethink what we're doing, focus on what we're good at and sort of go, right, am I utilising journeys the best of what you can offer? And if we're not, then perhaps it's time for us to make, you know, to make the offer and see if she'll, she'll move on. Um, you know, I've never met Jenny, although I know you really well, but um, I just think really thanks are in order that she invested in you. She invested in your personality and she took you forward to a place where you could move on on your own with your own little team. Yeah, absolutely. I think Jenny's got a great eye for entrepreneurs that have that grit and determination to just keep going. I mean, there are there are always some dark times in business, but there was definitely some dark times in my one, you know, especially in the middle of the pandemic when we were giving free advertising away and still having to pay hauliers. I think it's the true entrepreneurs that see that and go, I'm not I'm not ready to give up yet there is I can see a light even if no one else can and just keep fighting and it took nine months about three months longer than it should have to, to complete the buyout but I did it I don't think there is any feeling that can replace that when you sort of make that last payment and go oh is that it now 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 everything I make is my own money essentially brilliant well done you and now let's turn to PR so when you started on this business journey what did PR actually mean to you essentially just putting our name in the newspaper and, and uh, you know, TV and radio stations. There was no idea that it was a particular to PR strategies or anything like that. It was just, I'll just pitch it and see what happens. Can you remember how I came into your life? I think oh, we just in a room in a, in a hotel. I can't remember where. That sounds so wrong, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm older than your mum. <laughs> meeting room, to be fair, okay. Meeting room. Um, I think Kyle and Adam were there um, and I, I think Kyle was your client already and Adam just didn't get PR at all and I think at the end of the meeting like Adam just still did not get it at all whereas I could see hang on a minute it's not a it's not an RP, ROI objective it is a it's a brand one if you can get your brand into people's minds eventually it'll get return on investment and you just don't know when and it happens today I've I have people work with me that have never interacted with me have seen me in Dragon's Den or have seen something, seen one of our trucks that, you know, there's, there's loads of stories I can tell where they've come from hearing on the rate us on the radio like years ago and then they've finally pitched their boss and they've said, right, let's do it. Yeah, I'm glad you um, you say that because ROI is something I get asked about a lot or sales and they think, and I always say PR, public relations or the media relations bit of PR is a long, slow burn but what it does is it embeds credibility into people's mind. They feel like they know you when they've never met you, Ed. And then yep. they watch you. And then you are positioning yourself so that when the time is right, they buy from you because they'll have already made the decision. And that's what you've just described. 
it, it's exactly what truck advertising does for advertising is you don't even realize that truck is an advert until it's too late um and that and i think that's just like pr a lot of the things you read and you interact with is pr you just don't realize it do you think ed or have you had any experience of obviously not with me bs in the world of pr do you think it's a sector where there is a lot of um bs putting it bluntly i think there is a lot of like over promising and under delivering especially i think pr has got a particular bad name for it but it hap- i think it happens in every sector to some degree um i know um, i'm part of the birmingham natwest hub and there's been a few instances where people have said oh i'm going to be in this this and this and then you come back to them three months later like oh they're they didn't work they didn't love and i'm like well now is it time to try something else um and i think you're very key you know i, I can't promise you anything i will try and get you in the bbc the sky but i'll be honest it's not gonna happen um you know unless it's a slow slow news day you haven't got a chance in hell um and i think that's why i like you is i'll pitch the strangest ideas and we'll run with the ones that you've got the most hope like the um the cv on the back of the truck during the middle of the pandemic, I had loads of trucks that I just thought, well, what's the best way I can make, you know, help people who are losing their jobs? Why don't I, I run a competition with one of our advertisers to put a, a CV on the back of a truck? And um, Zook uh, agreed. Uh, we split the costs. And uh, James Pemblinton, I think it was, won the competition. Funny enough, about 24 hours after we launched the truck, he rang to say he got a job off the back of the truck. <laughs> That's quite true. And I I spoke to James, but also we got lots of publicity around that, didn't we, Ed? Which even as a PR journal, we couldn't have quite predicted. And there was one reason why that happened. The story appeared, and this is the value of local press. The story appeared in your local press. A news agency picked it up, called us, didn't they? And we negotiated with them that they could have the story for a period of time and send it where they wanted. And I think it even appeared somewhere in America, didn't it, Ed? Yeah, I think there were two PR agencies that were fighting over it. Um, One that went to James Direct and one came to Us Direct. That's right. Um, And then we had to kind of step in the middle and go, right, we can't have this. If you, you know, one of you's got to have it. Um, And eventually, I think we, the one that was with us, won it over. Um, But they, yeah, it, it, it went to the US. And I think it's still being shown in the US. I just get random tags from all over the place sometimes. Definitely the highlights are on the late night show with James Corden. Yeah. Got to be up there with a the, with the top one. Oh, I'm going to have to ask you for a testimonial about that, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> but it brings us on to a subject I'm going to mention now, which are news agencies. I work with one called Southwest News that I trust. And I'm, I always use them, which is the one, Ed, that bid for your story. Um, be really careful if you're contacted by a news agency. Choose the right one. You've got to know what you're getting into with them. And that is really where you do need to pick up the phone to a professional, Ed, because you, that's right, isn't it, Ed? You were a bit concerned and you knew straight away to contact me. And we just, we ran with it, but mindfully. Yeah, you've always been the kind of person, if you're not sure, just email me. It's going to cost you nothing for me to say it's good or I, I'm going to phrase some flags here, let's talk about it. Um, and you were just like, I, you know, I won't charge you, but let me handle it, um, and you'll see why. And I think it's that it's having that understanding of how they work is you can easily get your fingers burnt if you don't know what you're doing. Absolutely, they will treat different stories in different ways as well. 
that one, which is basically a PR stamp for a number of businesses, will be treated very differently than if something unusual happened to you as a person, Ed. And, you know, we were doing something differently. So just a little word of caution around that. Ed, imagine that there's a business owner listening to this today who's thinking, I don't need PR for my business. It's not that important. What would you say? I think it obviously it depends on what type of business you're running. But the more local and regional it is, the more you desperately need PR as part of your marketing. I think a national business can easily, you know, does need it. But I think there's the sways of other tools you can get around it. But if you're a local business, there is no better, better or cheaper tool than PR. Because um, you can imagine being in the local paper, even if it's just once a month or once a quarter, is getting in front of your local you know, people who could use your business. How would you say it sits alongside social media? Because a lot of businesses will just rely on social media as their route to market. Good thing, bad thing? What do you think? I, th- I think they've got to work hand in hand. Is social media, social media and PR are two different tools. If you get them to work, you'll exponentially increase the, the growth of both. I mean, in an ideal world, you're using PR to drive people to your website or social media to like or to follow or to you know, interact with you more. So that you don't have to use PR to reach them again, but PR is always going to be that prompt that goes, "Oh yeah, I know that business. I've, you know, it's time for me to you know, order a new carpet or get my hair cut or whatever it is you do." Um, but it working together, they they are like a perfect pair. I always describe PR as this: um, if cells are the rain. PR is the one that creates the rain. It's up to you to get that rain down your funnel to your business because not all of the rain is going to be right for you. But you still need the rain to be there almost, yeah, yeah, isn't it? I, I mean, think, that might sound a bit clunky, but do you know what I mean? I, I think, yeah, well well done PR can drive drive sales leads. You've just got to then catch them. And it's it's the same for all advertising. You're putting your brand out there. It's the, up to you to catch the people that go, oh, I'm interested. Because if you leave it too long, they're no longer interested anymore. Um, and you've got, it's got to be succinct all the way through. And I think it comes back to branding and marketing. Is If you, if you present one image through everyone else through PR, but your websites tell something different, they won't get any further than your website. Really important. It's all about a mix of things to get people to you. And marketing, um, in my world, we call it public relations, but actually all of marketing brings new people to you all the time and when you bring new people to you all the time it's inevitable some will buy from you it's inevitable yeah uh, it's, it's we do it all the time we've got trucks of our own with driven media on normally using to test hauliers to make sure they're going in the right places um but a lot of the time they're driven around anyway and it's how we introduce people to the medium you know unless i tell them that you can use a truck for advertising you can see literally thousands of truck adverts and it just won't it won't stick you won't even realize so it's, I think it's, it's, it's a very similar sort of vein. So Ed, it's coming up to Christmas. What do you want to finally say to our listeners today? Oh, that, was, that one wasn't planned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think, I think in, in light of what's happened recently, is I think just do, do things as normal, but bear in mind you might need to plan a little bit further in advance than you would do normally, especially with the fuel crisis and we didn't know who to blame. I think you've got to take some responsibility. If you are that close to the red line that you had to fill up then, whose fault's that but yours? I think if we all planned ahead, we'd be fine. 
<laughs> I agree. Now, Ed, if anyone's interested in you, wants to find out more about you, tell us where we can find you. Probably the easiest place to find out more about Driven Media is head to our website, www.drivenmedia.co.uk, or you can follow us on social media. Uh, we're at Driven Media UK. Thank you very much, Ed, for your time today. Really appreciate it. It's lovely to hear you. And I look forward to working with you again. Right, everyone, that's it for today. If you want to find out more about me, visit scottmedia.uk or you can email me at fiona at fionascott.co.uk. Thank you for listening and see you next time. Mm